Welcome to the ninth episode of the Smart Marks of Wrestling podcast. On this week's episode, we're going to talk everything from the AEW TV deal, Bray Wyatt Goes Dark, behind the scenes at WWE Creative, the Money in the Bank pay-per-view this Sunday, Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch are officially dating the Kabuki Warriors, and Lars Sullivan's 100K fine. That and much more on episode nine of the Smart Marks of Wrestling podcast, presented by thesportster.com. Welcome back to another edition of the Smart Marks of Wrestling podcast. Jim Parsons here with your host, uh, Brandon Sher Cohen. Brandon, how you doing, buddy? Doing great, Jim. What's going on? Oh, not much. Uh, just getting caught up from the Raw and SmackDown that happened in London this week, the WWE on tour. It was better shows, I thought. You know, the last couple of weeks were not very good, and I don't know that I would classify these two shows as classics by any means, but they were a little bit... At least for me, they were a step ahead of what we watched last week. What'd you think? Yeah, the last two weeks have been like last week and the week before were both really rough. This week was, uh, I mean, not anything to like you know super worthy of complaining about. So I was okay with them both. Yeah, I was actually able to watch the shows uh, Raw, especially considering Raw is usually the weaker of the two shows. I watched it all the way through, and I I didn't find myself going, "Oh my gosh, this is so painful." And I can't say that I have had that feeling over the fat, the last few weeks with either show. I've I felt like I need to forward a lot of the action that's going on in the ring. But this week, I, I didn't really feel that way. So that's a possibly a step up. Not that I'm the only opinion here that matters. But there were some news that came out of you know both shows, or at least surrounded both shows. I don't even know where we should start. Uh, maybe let's start with Money in the Bank. I mean, that is this Sunday. I can't say the WWE has done a fantastic job of promoting that pay-per-view and that everybody's really looking forward to what's going on. But there are a few matches on there. Um, I guess the big development for Monday was that Braun Strowman is no longer in Money in the Bank. Sami Zayn has taken his spot, and they worked uh, Strowman out of that match. What do you think about that? So I think that's the right call in general, having Sami Zayn in and Braun Strowman not in. Because, I mean, he won it last year, Strowman. He didn't get to cash in and win it. He's just, I feel like he's going to be a champion one day. But I also feel like they missed the boat on the huge like storm of popularity that he had. So at this point, there's no reason to just force it for the sake of doing it. And I think Sami Zayn, it's better that he's in this match and not just you know on TV every single week complaining about the uh, the fans, which was great. And it is still great, but it's the same thing every single week to the point where you're saying, well, what's he actually going to do with it? Well, he's going to be in the Money in the Bank match. That's what he's going to do with it. I will say that my one complaint with that segment, again, is that why are Baron Corbin and Drew McIntyre even involved? Like I know they're involved because like their stake in the match is involved. But why does every heel have to be involved with every other heel and every face involved with every other face? Do you remember a time in wrestling when there was, let's say, two or three superstars in a segment or in like a storyline and they were like completely exiled from every other storyline that happened? Everything was very independent of each other. Now it's like everything are you, overlaps. Are you, are you saying like that on the buildup towards a pay-per-view, like Byrne, Corbin and Drew McIntyre have been like working together in all their angles uh, leading up to the show? Is that what you're saying? And they should have just kept these guys separately leading up to the show? Is that what you're getting at? Well, I'm saying like they were involved in the the finish with the Zayn match, right, to get him to the, the win. Oh, I see what you're saying. So why, why are they even involved? Like, I know, again, it's because they want Strowman out of the match. That's fine. 
But I just feel like they do this constantly to the point where I'm just wondering why. Why is there someone... Like, that's something that WWE has gotten away from, I feel, in recent years, is they've gotten away from the storylines and they've gone more towards the spots. And I, I feel like the storylines are so much better. Yeah, I'm wondering if it just has something to do with the fact that they feel it's best to create the buzz for the participants of the match leading up to the match itself so that they keep them together so that you get an idea of what this you know, traffic accident is going to look like when they all get in the ring together, right? Maybe that's their thinking sure. when they do something like that. But um, yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't know that they necessarily need to do that. I, I just get the feelings that they, they haven't really gone full steam ahead. They've had so much on their plate and so much in the back of their minds with the superstar shakeup not going well and this wild card rule and the social media buzz and we'll go there in a minute about like WWE creative and I think they've got so much going on that this pay-per-view has sort of just fallen by the wayside a little bit and so they haven't really put the same kind of promotional effort into it which you know sucks and they got that Saudi Arabia show coming up right away too so there's just a lot on their plate and they they've sort of dropped the ball with this pay-per-view but I mean there's some decent matches on there um maybe we could really quickly run through it and go uh you know, I don't want to say necessarily match by match, but let's take a couple and predict a winner here for this Sunday. What do you think about Seth Rollins versus AJ Styles? I think Seth Rollins has to retain at that point, right? It's too yeah, fresh. I'm thinking that too. Uh, he's just gotten the title. Styles doesn't necessarily need it. They're already promoting extreme rules in a couple couple months, and, and Rollins is, is on that, advertised as a champ. I mean, I don't know if that means anything necessarily, but uh, that's kind of the way they're going with that. So I'm with you on Rollins. What about Kofi Kingston and Kevin Owens? That one I'm really split on. I feel like Kevin Owens might take it. Because... But I'm really not sure. Just because I think they really want to get the title to Roman Reigns. I don't know. I, I, I was thinking that Owens was going to lose and then eventually take it. But the way they're booking this storyline, I really don't know. Which I guess is good. Right? It's good as long as they actually build upon it. If it is really just a transition thing for Roman Reigns immediately, then I don't really understand why they even gave the title to Kobe in the first place other than for the cheap pop. Um, I would say Kofi should win and eventually drop it to Owens, who could then eventually drop it to Reigns. But if they really, I mean, just based off how they've done things, like I said, in recent years, where it's not so much about the storyline buildup, it's just about like the pop, then I can see them just going straight Kofi to Kevin Owens to Roman Reigns in a matter of like two months. Yeah. Even though I, I would do it over six months. I'm not sure on this one, other than to say, unless Kofi Kingston is being blamed backstage for the the drop in ratings, because you got to blame somebody, right? Um, and they're saying that his being the champion isn't pulling the numbers that a guy like Roman Reigns or John Cena or whomever has pulled in the past, then he's going to be the scapegoat on this thing, and maybe they'll do that. Outside of that, I don't think they want to take the, the title off of Kofi Kingston. I think they like the idea of him having it. I would love to give him as long a run as they possibly can, but numbers may play a factor here. And if they're panicking about these ratings, uh, I could see them pulling a quick 180 and going, well, we wanted to try it. We tried it. Didn't work. We need to go another direction. I'm thinking Kingston retains it just because they're not there yet. But um, who knows? Maybe sooner than later they might be. Uh, Becky Lynch has two matches on the card, one against Lacey Evans on the Raw side and Charlotte Flair on the SmackDown side. What do you think about Lacey Evans? So I can see Becky retaining against Lacey and then losing to Charlotte, who then loses to whoever wins the money in the bank or something like that. So for Lacey Evans, I think that she loses it right now. But uh, that's just because they want to keep Lynch on Raw and not have to worry about like her. Because I, like I said, I think she loses the SmackDown title. Or yeah, loses the SmackDown title. I don't think she loses both. 
I don't I'm think the, I want to keep her on SmackDown. I'm the reverse of you. Okay. I I don't know that Lacey Evans is uh, ready yet, but I get the sense that whether it's Vince or somebody in W, they really like her. Like they, they do, really yeah. are a big fan of hers. And and to be honest with you, I like her too. Like I like her character. I think she's kind of a callback to some of the old school heels that WWE used to do. And I think they like that idea. It might be too soon to give her the title, uh, but I can see them doing it because they have done that before for people that they like and they want to push and they've just got a special eye for. Um, yeah. I don't know that Lynch loses either match, to be honest with you. She could retain both. And if they really want to get crazy, she could lose both. So yeah. um, if, there's, if she's going to lose one, I'm going to say it's to Lacey Evans. But my guess is that she doesn't lose either. I think she'll okay. walk out of there with both titles. Uh, just to keep her momentum going. And then, like some of these other things we've talked about in the past, if Lynch is losing a little bit of momentum, which maybe it feels like she might be, uh, there could be a change in plans there. Um, the Money in the Bank match for the men, Ricochet, Drew McIntyre, Baron Corbin, Finn Balor, Ali, Andrade, Sami Zayn, Randy Orton. Who are you taking? Oof. It's actually one of the better Money in the Banks I've seen in a while, in terms of like almost everyone is something I want, like someone I want to see win. I hope it's not Corbin. I don't dislike Corbin. I just don't find it very entertaining <laughs> to the point where I want to see him as the champion every week, if that makes sense. Yeah. I feel like Drew McIntyre is the only right call, <laughs> you know, because then it's like I've been saying forever. He deserves the uh, the championship. So if you give him this uh, briefcase, you have a free out to whatever you want. You can give him a match for it. You can decide yeah. now's the time. I feel like they really like uh, Andrade as well, though. Yeah, I man, this is a tough one to call. I mean, it depends on the angle in which you take or how you look at this perspectively. Has anybody ever won? Maybe you know, maybe you don't. Has anybody ever won Money in the Bank from the men's side twice? Like, have they ever held the briefcase two times? Yeah, so Edge won it once but held the briefcase twice because he beat Mr. Kennedy. Right. And then, and then CM Punk won it twice in a row. Okay, so then that, for me, that rules out Baron Corbin. Um, I like him as a heel. I think WWE really likes him as a heel. I even wrote an article the other day saying that I think that they've got a huge push in line for him, and he's supposed to be so, yeah. part of the main event for the Extreme Rules pay-per-view. Um, but I don't think that they would have him win twice unless they could say, hey, I'm Baron Corbin. I'm now the first guy to ever win this thing two times. So if that's the case, that's that's out for me. I don't think Finn Balor wins it. He's the IC title champ. Uh, there's no reason to give it to him. I don't think Ali wins it. He's not there yet. Uh, Randy Orton doesn't need it, so I don't yeah. think he's going to win it. Ricochet, I don't know that they're sold on him. I get the sense that WWE knows what they have, but Vince doesn't. Um, so he's you know 50-50. Sometimes he wins, sometimes he loses. I think they like him, and I think he will be a star even by the end of this year. I think he's going to be a massive star. I just don't know if he's going to be the guy to win it. Yeah. Drew McIntyre, I think, is a good pick. Andrade, I would say, is my hopeful pick. But after the story I heard, and again, we'll talk about this in a minute, the story I heard about him going to Vince and talking about, hey, give me a push, and him turning around and saying, hey, learn some English, I just get this sense that they're not there yet, that they want and will eventually push Andrade because he's proven that he will put that time and effort in. But Vince is just not liking him yet. Um, right. Sami Zayn, maybe, is my pick. He's a last-minute addition. Vince is speaking through Sami Zayn when it comes to these promos. I don't know that these are Sami Zayn promos, to be honest with you. I think Vince is just tired of hearing what he's hearing, and he's saying, okay, Sammy, go see this. And so Sammy's just really good at it, and so he's doing that. And if that is actually happening, then I could see Vince giving it to Sammy and just saying, here, you're, you're now my voice. Whole new level. Yeah, you're now my voice. You're now my my um, my speaking guy, and you've got the, the briefcase. 
And to that credit, Sami Zayn is really good at being annoying. And yeah. if he were a kind of guy to hold the briefcase for three months, he would play that up like you wouldn't believe. And it would be fun to watch him talk. So, um, yeah, Sami Zayn is who I'm going to gonna take. I hope it's Andrade, but my pick will be Sami Zayn. Um, McIntyre and then uh, Balor would be my hopefuls. But obviously, I don't see, like you said, I don't know why Balor would get it with the IC title. Yeah, I, I just don't know. They tend not to pick winners two times and they tend not to pick champions to win them uh, at least that's from my recollection uh right. on the women's side alexa bliss naomi natalia dana brooke bailey mandy rose ember moon and carmella who you got uh i said before i think ember moon yeah she's i mean i don't know why they would i mean bailey could also get this push i think bailey wins it but my pick isn't like my hopeful is ember moon yeah yep I said a while back and i'm gonna stick with it that dana brooke is my right. pick she's my sleeper of the match I don't know why I think that. I really like her. She's an underdog for me. I think she's, from everything that I'm hearing, um, she's a crazy hard worker and is just busting her ass to improve. And at some point, WWE is going to notice that, that she's even in this match is somewhat of a fluke, um, yeah. you know, because she's taking the place of Sasha Banks, really. Um, and so I could see if, if, WWE is, is mad at Sasha Banks and Dana Brooke is her replacement. Sasha Banks knows that Dana Brooke is her replacement. I like Dana Brooke. She should win it separately, not because of this, but notwithstanding, she might get the push only to be like, here you go, Sasha, for not showing up and we'll go home with your ball. Oh, by the way, we had picked, we had you pegged to win this thing. Guess who won it now? Right? I could I could see that happening and just out of pettiness, right? But yeah. Um, I would pick Dana Brooke anyway because I like her. I think she's earned it. She's put in her time and stuff. Um, but I'm with you too. I think Bailey's got a shot at this thing. Yeah. I also uh, think Mandy Rose is a dark horse for this one. Yeah, I think they have something in line for her too. I'm not sure if it's there yet. I have a feeling that there's going to be something playing out between her and Sonya yeah. uh, Deville first and that they may have that battle where one turns on the other and they fight that one out and then Mandy Rose moves on to be more popular so maybe it's not her time yet but i see that too um roman reigns versus elias who you got in that one roman is this reigns? even a yeah is this even a contest? <laughs> <laughs> how can it not be roman well sorry reigns? it could be elias in an interference but like i don't know why they would stretch the storyline out even further so roman reigns uh the miz and shane mcmahon in the steel cage probably miz yeah shane got the rub the first time right yeah he, he they beat snot out of each other but shane got the the shoulder on top of the other for the three count. So yeah, the Miz gets his, even if they have to do a rubber match. Uh, but Saudi Arabia is Roman versus Shane, I think is where they're going. So um, yeah, I'd give it to Miz. And then Samoa Joe and Rey Mysterio. I think Rey Mysterio takes it. Yeah. What are they one and one now? Samoa Joe just wiped his, wiped the floor with them at WrestleMania. Then Rey Mysterio came back and got a sneaky win. Um, is Dominic at this thing? He is right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really understand why Dominic's involved. <laughs> well, yeah, so if, weird. if he's part of this, he may be the deciding factor here, whether he helps his dad or he turns on his dad or cool. whatever they might choose to do. I think Dominic is and will be the direction of this match. So um, I'll take Samoa Joe just because I want to see the turn and see what they do. Um, SmackDown Tag Team Champions, new tam new champs. The Planets Tag Team Champions, Daniel Bryan and Rowan versus the Usos, which is now officially on the kickoff show. He goes from being the nice. WWE Champion to on the kickoff show. Um, who you got in that one? Bryan and Rowan. 
Yeah, me too. I can't see uh, that happen. I, I'm going to guess that at some point Revival gets involved in that match. Uh, Tony Nese and Aria Davari for the Cruiserweight Championship from 205 Live, also in the kickoff show. Uh, I don't know why they would take the title off of Nice so fast. So I'm going to go with Nice. Yeah, I haven't been keeping up with it closely enough to know that Aria Davari has... Yeah. You know, worked his way up to a point that they would be considering giving him the title. That's that's all I know about it. So why get, why take it away from Nice? Um, the women's tag team championship, Iconics versus now the Kabuki Warriors, um, Asuka and Kari Sane. Who you got here? The Kabuki Warriors. Even though I think that the Iconics should keep it for a long time. Yeah, I think the Iconics are going to keep them, but I don't know how. Like I just. I th- I see the push that they're doing for these two, for Asuka and Kari Sane, but I just don't think they're ready to take it off the Iconics yet. I think WWE likes them. They're entertaining. Um, even if it's not on TV and wrestling in a ring, they seem to like what they're doing backstage. So, yeah, I mean, we got a couple different picks here. That's good. Um, I guess what else can we talk about heading into Money in the Bank? I mean, we just touched on it last. Let's go there. This Kabuki Warriors thing. People just chewed this one up on Tuesday night. And, yeah. you know, I just wrote an article today that you could check out on uh, Wrestling Write Ups, but they chose their own name. You know, I know we're so quick to judge and say, oh, Vince, what are you doing? I mean, after the Viking experience, how can you not think that? But this is not Vince. I mean, the Warriors part might be Vince, but the page has come out and said on social media and in a video that these girls wanted to be called the Kabuki girls. And, Vince was like, nah, I don't think girls. Let's go Warriors. So they settled on Kabuki Warriors. So we don't get to blame WWE for this one. It's on Asuka and Curry Sane. So can we really say, hey, you know, what are you doing when we all we ever do is complain and moan that the WWE talent doesn't have enough input on their own creative direction? Well, this is them. What did you think of the name? Were you as taken aback by most people were? Yeah, I mean, I I thought about it for three seconds. Then I said, okay, (laughs) whatever. It's WWE, right? Like, I really don't care at this point. Whether they're going to name a team, the Viking Warriors, the Viking Experience, War Raiders, War Machine, right? It's just, there's no point in even worrying about it. Yeah, I well, I think the big thing for most people when they saw this name was they just translated the word kabuki and the fact that these are two Asian-American women and said, hey, oh, yeah, that's nice and racist. Like, that was the the one thing. And this just coming off of the Lars Sullivan stuff. Um, people just automatically jumped to a conclusion here and said, well, yeah, sure, you're finding this guy all this money for the things that he said and putting him in sensitivity training, and then you turn around and you name a tag team. But, I mean, if you look at the word, I mean, even Oscar took to social media today, I think it was, maybe if not yesterday, and just defined, you know, the kabuki word, and, you know, it's an art, creative dance sort of thing. Yeah. Where this, I mean, it makes sense, right? Like, it's not really the name I would have loved if I were picking the name. But I get why they chose it, and it's not, you know, you go in with Vince's history, maybe you could see where the connection is. It's not racist, so it's it's fine by me. I'm not in love with the name, but it'll stick like everything else does. And Warriors, should we really have jumped any farther than thinking that's one of the ten buzzwords in Vince's head, <laughs> right? Like, you have to know if that that's going to be one of the options, right, you know? put kabuki and then insert 10 different options and he's going to pick one off the list there you go kabuki warriors right so yeah but i do think that they're going to be a team that that gets quite quite the push and page will help that that cause right 
Right. About the Lars Sullivan stuff, what'd you think of the fine? You know, we talked about it a little bit last week and and thought that he, if he kept opening his mouth and saying stupid stuff, that his leash was only going to be so long. Well, they fined him 100K for the insensitive, racist, homophobic, and you know, bigoted remarks that he made on the internet a couple of years ago. Um, they didn't go away. WWE was hoping that it would be swept under the rug. It didn't go away. Um, speculation was Mars or Snickers, whatever you want to call it, Mars Confectionery, got wind of it. A fan pointed it out to them. They didn't like it. Reached out to WWE and said, what are you doing about this thing? WWE felt like they had to do something, so their solution was 100K fine and sensitivity training. Is it enough? Yeah, uh, that's a very good step forward for WWE. It sucks that it had to come down to some sponsor saying, hey, what's going on here? But maybe they weren't aware of it. I find that hard to believe because, I mean, when someone addressed that to Big E, uh, he said, you know, many are aware of it kind of deal. So WWE should have known about it. It's somebody's job to know about it at the very least. And if they didn't, then that's on them. So let's say they did know about it and a sponsor had to say, hey, what's going on for them to act? That sucks. The fact that they actually took action and said, hey, here's a $100,000 fine and sensitivity training for a guy that they're, I mean, he's very new, right? The guy's not making a lot of money at this point. There's no way he is. So it's a very hefty fine uh, by any standards, even if he was making a lot of money. A hundred grand is a lot of money. And the training is very good considering, I mean, WWE has a very clear perceived race issue. I don't want to say they do have one or they don't have one because we don't know what goes on backstage. We don't know how Vince actually thinks. But obviously there's the the mindset that WWE is, you know, not WWE, but like Vince McMahon's mindset is kind of old school and he doesn't really know, um, or he's not very, uh, his finger's not on, on the pulse of what's happening in 2019 for a lot of things. So I think that this is good. It's good to kind of set the precedent. And for the future, I mean, like I said, the precedent is set. So people are going to know, hey, if you step out with any kind of, you know, remark that's discriminatory or misogynistic or bigoted or whatever it may be well guess what here's a hundred thousand dollar fine and here's sensitivity training yeah it's a tough spot to be in too i guess if you're WWE. in a way i, I feel for them because if it's on the internet it's coming out at some point right like it's two three years old these comments right and if they knew about it and i probably believe that they did somebody knew and like you said biggie pointed out that they knew yeah. but what do you do if you're wwe like Maybe you find Lars already. You go, shoot, dude. Like, why would you say such a stupid thing? This is going to become public. It might not become public next week. It might not become public next month, but it will become public. And at some point, we're going to have to answer to this thing. So we're going to find you now. Do you do that and then say, hey, we find Lars Sullivan for comments he made on it? Because if, if it doesn't come out for six months to a year or it doesn't, it's not a big deal, then you just drew attention to yourself. And so... That's a tough spot to be in, and I can understand why WWE doesn't want to do that. But I also understand that if they don't do something and they don't preemptively say, hey, we caught wind of this, we saw that he made these remarks, we do not tolerate it, this is what we did. Um, if you don't do that first and it comes out, it takes less than an hour before you're looked at as the company who didn't do anything about it, right? So mm -hmm. that's a tough spot to be in, right? Like Lars has to know that you can't do this today. Like, this is the kind of stuff that just does not stay quiet. And if you're going to say anything on the internet, you better be smart enough to understand that it doesn't disappear. You might think it's gone. You might think it's hidden. But somebody will dig it up because you are popular enough 
that people want to know about it. They're yeah. going to dig around you. They're going to go back into your old tweets. They're going to go back into your old posts on social media forums or whatever, and they will find it and they will point it out there. And the fact that everybody seemed to know and they were working with this guy. Yeah. I'm curious as to what those conversations were like backstage. Like if they had to, you know, approach the subject, if the guys like Big E are just aware that this sort of stuff exists and he'd been dealing with it his whole life. I'm, it's hard to know, right, what's going on. But, yeah, I agree with you. 100K, it's not necessarily the punishment that I am loving because I think it's a big deal what he did. But 100K is not a small amount of money for him. Right. He will eventually make millions. But now he's probably not. Right. And he just came out of you know NXT where that might be a lot of money for most of those NXT guys, right? Like there might be a couple guys down there making that kind of money. But they were like already established before they went to WWE. This guy is like a homegrown talent for them, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. So I still think his lease is going to be pretty short. And if, if, you know, it's ironic that on SmackDown, he didn't say a single word in his promo. I know that has nothing to do. One has nothing to do with the other. But I just, I got a little chuckle out of that because the guy has, you know, been fined and in trouble for things he said. Well, yeah. the next time he's on TV, he doesn't say anything. It's like I like hmm. that though. I mean, I, I agree with you. I don't think it's related, but I also thought it was the perfect way to handle it. I don't think he should talk like ever. <laughs> Just leave him as a monster. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at some point he'll have to say something for a while, though. Create the the silent buzz around him if you have to, and you know. Whatever. I don't want anything ever. I don't think he ever needs to speak. Well, I don't know how you're gonna get away with that and have him be a long term character. You know, at some point, at some point, people have to change. You know, Kane had to take his mask off or couldn't speak with that little device on his neck or, you know, Undertaker had to say more than, you know, rest in peace. Like everybody's got to evolve at some point. There's going to be a time that he's going to have to evolve at some point and say something. Right. You could even avoid it for a while by giving him a advocate like a Paul Heyman or somebody. But at some point, if they want him to be a star, even somebody who goes on to work outside of the company on behalf of the company, then what's he going to do? Take movies where he doesn't say anything. I mean, he's got to have to say something at some point. Right. Um, but yeah, you're right though. He can, he can get away with it for a long time. Yeah. Um, another thing that I thought you liked that, you thought that was pretty cool. One of the things I thought was extremely cool and was not at all expecting was the Bray Wyatt video. So good. Jesus. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> that was quick. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, we're, we're watching these things, and he's all these shades of dark. You know, like he's he's happy. He's Pee Wee Herman. He's this. He's that. But there's that underlying tone of there's something not right about this guy. Like he's he's evil. That his puppets are killing each other. Oh, his puppets back. And then we get the mask and yep. the dark, the twinkle, twinkle little star, and the yowie wowie i mean this it would <laughs> we went dark in a hurry uh which i don't know i was surprised how quickly they went there but it was pretty freaking awesome like yeah yeah so now what i mean like you just went from you know the first three videos were step one little step two baby step three now you went from like step three to like step 10 so what happens next like do they they keep doing this does he go and do a live promo does he show up like you know, for me, I would say it's too soon. But at the same time, look at what like next Sunday looks like. For example, you've got Money in the Bank, and you got the series finale of Game of Thrones. No one's gonna watch the end of Money in the Bank, right? Yeah. Everybody's gonna turn to Game of Thrones. So why not tease him for that? I say I, it's way too soon. But 
what else is going on in WWE that has the buzz Bray Wyatt has, Nothing. right? If, if you're teasing the idea that he is going to be at Money in the Bank for the first time live, I bet you money some of those people stick around just to see what he does, right? Like, yeah. what are they going to do? Like, that's what I would do if I was Vince and I was really worried about this Game of Thrones thing. Um, that said... Who, who planned this? Why didn't they plan it for one week later? <laughs> Money in the Bank. What, plan Money in the Bank? Yeah. Oh, I'm, sh- I'm sure we think it's all super easy, but I'll bet you between arenas and live event deals and... Oh, that's true. There are, there are deals and, with that. And stuff like that. And then pay-per-view time and what else is going on around it. It's probably not a very easy thing to make a calendar for all your events. So, that's fair. yeah, I'm sure that they had, they had it to do over again. They would probably try to avoid it. But, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe they're they should anticipate it. Yeah, maybe they're just thinking, well, we'll put Roman Reigns at the end of the pay-per-view and people will stick around. Because these um, things are are built like a year in advance, right? Like they're, that's how they're, they're booked, kind of, or like they're they're uh, reserved the the arena, and like this is the, the tentative plans and whatnot. I, I assume for most shows. So I, I'd imagine they weren't anticipating that this was the week when Game of Thrones would come out. So I guess yeah, you couldn't really do anything about it. Yeah, I mean, you knew what Game of Thrones, what their schedule looked like. You knew what the WWE schedule looked like. You could have seen this coming and said, "We got to figure out a way." Like it's just like they do with. Monday Night Football, right? Like, when the season starts, they know they're going to take a hit, right? right? So how do we build up the show leading into the kickoff for NFL? What do we do? How do we create some buzz so people don't just automatically change the channel? I mean, the Game of Thrones stuff is so highly rated. Even if people are bitching and moaning about the way the season has gone, I don't know if you watch Game of Thrones or not, but uh, people aren't necessarily, a lot of people anyway, are not necessarily happy with the show. I've liked the show, but um, they are still tuning in like crazy. Like, this past Sunday's episode was the highest ranked show they've ever had, even though everybody complained about it. So yeah. it's, they're still going to, well, that's the, the drawing power they have, regardless of like what the show is. People will watch it every week. Yeah. It's yeah, like I mean, the they, new WWE. They're going to change the channel. And they're <laughs> going to tune into Game of Thrones. Like they, cause they don't want to be spoiled. They don't want to see it on social media that they found out how the show ended, you know, without having watched it, like they will change the channel. So the only way that W stands a chance is to shove their best stuff at the beginning of the pay-per-view so people get to see what they want them to see and then give them some kind of carrot to dangle to keep people from maybe thinking about switching over, right? So that's the deal. But anyway, you wrote a big article about the mask and the origin of it and what went into it and stuff like that. I mean, can you talk a little bit about what you kind of discovered there? So yeah, the guy that made it was Tom Savini. And uh, for anyone that doesn't know him, he's just huge in the horror movie genre with uh, like uh, stunt performance, uh, acting, directing, and especially like prosthetic makeup work and stuff like that. So he's done stuff. He did like Jason's Mask, things like that. He's done a lot of George Romero stuff. So Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. So he's very involved with that genre. And I think that if WWE is going to really push Bray Wyatt to the moon like they're doing right now with this character they need to make sure that everything is done perfectly. And through three segments that we've seen, I think that is three, right? This is the third uh, one. There's, this was the fourth one, I think. Four. So the, through four The first segments. one was the introduction where he chainsawed himself. The second one was where he drew the painting. The third yes. one was he killed the rabbit. And then this right. fourth one. So through four segments, I think they've done it perfectly. And I think that having Savini involved with this, and we know he's involved because he tweeted about it later on uh like the night when he said it, he said, yowie, wowie, like he was very impressed with it. Uh, it. It turned out perfectly. So basically Bray Wyatt, for anyone that didn't see it, came out with uh, this like just demonic mask and a, a ring attire that I can describe as like Alexander Wolf's old ring attire. 
<laughs> it's pretty yeah, much. Yeah, he almost looks like a mixture between the Joker and Kazarni. Yeah, do you remember, do you remember <laughs> Kazarni, the I guy do. that was supposed to be like, which I I was really sad never got a push, but um, he was like that carnival freak. He has those kind of pants on and the long trench coat and the crazy mask and. You know, when you see those old, those robbery suspense thriller movies where the bank robbers come in with these crazy masks on, it's kind of like that meets, you know, a crazy nightmare, right? Yeah. So basically, it, it was just like very well done. It looked very menacing. And like you said, it came out of nowhere. Like we couldn't have seen this coming four weeks into the uh, the character to where he already turns evil. But I, don't, I wouldn't say that he's fully evil. I would say that he has two sides. That, you know, because he teased it, he said he can control it, the dark side of him. So he's good and bad, and I think that they can kind of use this to their advantage. But with the mask, yeah, I mean, good on them for making sure they got someone who knows what he's doing in the industry. The guy that you're talking about is not the tattoo guy, though, right? He's the special effects makeup guy that does the movie stuff, right? Yeah, like prosthetic makeup, masks, uh, stuff like that, yeah. Okay, one of the, well, the reason I asked, one of the things that I read was that he was working in collaboration with a tattoo artist, and I saw the drawings from this guy who did the tattoos and was originally called and the, and part of the backstory that I don't know if you touched on in your article, but that I read was that Bray Wyatt reached out to both this guy you were talking about and the tattoo guy. And he said, like, here's what I need. Like I'm, I've gone to WWE with this idea and they aren't buying it. And I don't know if you know this, but they, they weren't into the Bray Wyatt character change. They still didn't know what to do with him. They didn't believe in this Firefly Funhouse idea. He's like, I need drawings. I need something to show them that they can look at and understand my vision for this thing. So this tattoo artist did up this mock drawing thing. Mm-hmm. Once they showed that to Vince, Vince was in, right? And so then he went back to say, he's like, you basically saved my career. Like, I was not going anywhere. I had this idea that I've been working on for a long time. I was trying to pitch to them, and they weren't buying it. And you basically drew my longevity here. In WWE. And then when the vignettes started coming on the videos, he was keeping up with this guy and going, you, we have changed wrestling. Like, we have done something here now that could change what this industry looks like on our side for WWE. And they were so, and this guy was so happy. He's like, I just can't believe that something that I helped draw up and work with and collaborate on has become this thing I'm seeing on TV and done. It's, it was a really cool story. Like, it, it, and it goes to show you too, right? Like, Bray Wyatt. And, and I said, we'll talk about this and we will in a minute here is, is known as a guy who backstage is just like a genius when it comes to promos and idea creation and, and creatively. I hope he, if when he's done wrestling, that there's a job just waiting for him there because apparently he sits down with anybody who will ever ask in that company and catering is like, Hey, you tell me what your problem is. I'll see what I can do to help you. Right. Like he's just the guy everyone goes to and creatively he's a, just a pure genius. So when he reached out to these guys to help him with this idea, they were super excited, right? They're like, Oh man, Bray Wyatt's going to hit this thing out of the park. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's just interesting to see that a guy that creative and that everybody looks up still has trouble convincing WWE to go with his idea. And then he needs these things to have it happen. Right. So yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, but it's cool. I mean, it's turning out, right? Like it's right. it's happening now and they're they're making these videos. Yeah, and I'm I'm with you. I don't think he's full on dark yet, but now we've seen what the dark side looks like. Yep. And and it's pre- it's pretty cool. Um I'm touching on it now, so let's maybe go in that direction. Um there's and I don't know if you heard it, but um PW Torch is a podcast, a very popular podcast that Wade Keller hosts. And a guy called in to his show this week. 
and was friends. And I don't know who this guy is, and he didn't give a name, and he didn't say the names of the creative writers that he was talking to, but he's really, like, good friends with a guy who's not very high in the totem pole in the creative writing team but works for WWE. And they were out with two other people who also work for WWE. And this guy laid in to WWE, like, provided all sorts of crazy details about what these three writers were saying in confidence about how it is to work for WWE creative and what it's like to work with Vince McMahon. And the reason I'm going here is because we talked about it a lot last week. We said, you know, how bad the writing is and how bad the shows have been. And I guess what I'm getting at here is that maybe we owe the writing team an apology because it's not the writing team from what this guy says. These guys are busting their ass to come up with ideas. And he says that they have some crazy good ideas, like tremendous ideas that they've written three months out, six months out are supposed to last a whole year. And they have all these ideas that they presented to Vince and he just changes them. Like, yeah. well, I, th- I thought we, we expected that to be the case too, because it seems like everything's so last minute. So there's no way the writers oh, yeah. don't have things planned. I mean, we knew it was Vince who was the, the final say on everything. And that if something yeah. was changed, it was because he changed it. Right. And we called this whole wildcard thing. I throw, but, and, but that was one example that he used. He said that Monday morning, there was no wildcard rule. Like it didn't exist. And he just made it up that afternoon, which totally Shocker. explains why he went from three to four to, well, we'll let people come over. And, and the rules just changed on the fly. Like, it was made up on the fly. And the writing team doesn't even know about it. Like, they they wrote all the Superstar shakeup months in advance. They had heels planned out and baby faces planned out. And guys moved to a certain show. And they had worked in the contracts with Fox and NBC in terms of who went where. Because Roman Reigns was promised to Fox. You know, stuff like that, right? They had it all planned out. They'd worked months on it tirelessly. And then Vince just said, ah, I don't want to do that. And changed it. And didn't tell them. So they're watching this stuff on TV as we're watching it on TV going, what the hell? Like, we wrote all this stuff or we had this really good idea that was greenlit and it isn't even on the show anymore, right? And he's like, and they said the most frustrated person in all of WWE is Triple H. Yes, he I is heard that dying. Well. He is dying. Like, he is just like, I don't know what to do. I've talked to Vince. Shane's talked to Vince. Stephanie's talked He doesn't care. He just is like, nope, it's not your turn yet. I'm still running the show here. And he is just heartbroken for his NXT guys that he they're being called up and Vince doesn't even know who they are and he's just looking taking one look at them and going okay well you'll do this and you'll do this and Triple H is just constantly back there going I'm sorry like I wish I would have known or I'm trying to do my best and he's just constantly consoling these guys trying to make them feel good about the fact that they're not on the main roster but nothing that they had planned out is going the way they wanted it. I mean it's crazy it's like how long before people are like dude what is vince doing right he's never going to quit so does something have to come up where you know the xfl you know just takes so much of his time or fox and nbc universal are so mad that the ratings have dropped to the point that i mean i get it vince owns a majority share of his company but how long before people get together and go you gotta go man like this is not good you cannot run this thing by yourself, and you have proven it week after week after week, and the ratings keep dropping week after week after week because you can't enough. decide on anything, right? You, I don't even, I don't even know where to start with that, man. What's your take on that? I feel like we've known this for a while, and now that it's kind of like I don't want to say confirmed, but like now that there's actually some kind of like credence behind it, it's real. It's just unfortunate because we know that the show has so much potential, or both shows, like I'm saying, WWE as, as a whole, really has so much potential and just Vince McMahon is so stubborn and that that's all it is. Yeah. The guy is the, the smartest, you know, genius in the industry's history, 
but that doesn't mean he still has it now, right? You don't have to have it forever. There is a time when you're past your prime and you just don't get it anymore. And the the wrestling landscape has changed. And there's a reason why people like the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes and Kenny Omega uh, get over. So, I mean, even like you can look at Gallows and Anderson and a lot of the people in NXT and like WWE that came over from Japan and Ring of Honor and stuff, they got over by themselves because they understand what the wrestling landscape is right now. Vince just doesn't. Guys like Randy Orton, they don't. The old school guys, you know, we had Greg Valentine on the show. He doesn't seem to get it either. Like they have like the very old school mindsets where it's just, well, I understand this is how it was in your day back in like, you know, the 80s, 90s, let's go even further, the 70s. It's different than it was then as it is now. Like you can't keep looking at things the same way and saying, well, this is how it works. And you can't look at shows and say, well, we're kind of done with building up storylines for, you know, a month, two months, three months, four months sometimes. We're going to just say we're going to book a show and this match is happening just because. And then on Raw and SmackDown, it's going to be the same six-man tag match every single week. Or the same tag match, the same one-on-one match with the same people involved. Every It doesn't make sense. that like, It makes sense now when you look at it that way. You say, well, of course this man's going to keep booking the same matches. It's because he has no idea what he's doing with you know things 10 minutes before the show starts. He just last well, second says, oh, you guys are going to get a match together. Yeah. I honestly don't think he thinks they're a wrestling company. Yeah, like, no, we, we talk about AEW, we talk about these other guys, TNA and Impact and, and Ring of Honor and New Japan and these guys who get popular. I don't think Vince thinks that they're a wrestling company. I think he thinks that they're an entertainment company, like a TV show, an attraction. I mean, and nothing speaks more to me than that than bringing Goldberg back. Like, he's the attraction for the Saudi Arabia show, right? Yeah. Vince looks at his... And if that weren't the case... There would never be, like, one of the things that this guy talked about was this whole revival Usos thing. The only reason it is even remotely happening because Vince thinks it's funny. Yeah. Like, he, he thinks the idea of making fun of somebody because they're shaving each other's back, he thinks it's hilarious, right? It has nothing to do with wrestling. Absolutely nothing to do with wrestling. And he thinks it's funny and it's entertainment, so it's worth putting on TV, right? That's, that's how the writers are being told hey we aren't a wrestling company so here pitch me your ideas and i mean i don't even know why he's got all these guys he's got some probably very talented creative people working for him who are just throwing out ideas left right and center and he says like the 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 line is you you're working for an audience of one right like all these writers are working should be working for millions upon millions of fans but they're not they're working for one guy and they're trying to get the ideas approved by one guy and they're hoping that this one guy doesn't just tear it to shreds and rewrite it last second, right? Like, it's just, it's awful. Like, and it, I don't, it's hard to be too hard on a guy like Vince because if that were my baby and I had spent all my life's resources and all my life's time and it was my life's work to create this thing and the last major thing I did was WWE Network, which has turned out to be a very good idea, um, would I have a hard time letting it go? Maybe. Right. And maybe that's what he's doing. It's the only thing he knows. It's the only thing he does. He doesn't want to let it go or concede power of any kind to anybody else. And maybe that I mean, it's selfish and it isn't how you should do it for the better of your product. But I get, you know, what else do you have? Right. And maybe that's why he's doing this XFL thing, just so he's got something else to to hold on to and say that he did. But. Yeah, it's it's going to be tough. And there, I mean, the one of the last things somebody he said on there was he he's a hundred percent sure Road Dogs going to AEW. Really? Yep. Well, that yep. Would be one of the, one of the writers said that 
this hiatus is not going to be a hiatus. It's going to be a leave. And he will wind up in AEW beside Billy Gunn. And um, they're looking forward to having him. And AEW is announcing things like crazy. I mean, let we should go there. This morning, they announced their TV deal with TNT. Massive. Like, huge deal. Which, this the underlying part of this, which people aren't really focusing on, is this whole... Bleacher Report live feed, which is kind of like WWE Network. It's a digital platform for them, right? Yeah. So they they have basically killed two burns with one stone. They've got on a major network for a weekly live show, and they've got their streaming site down. So they've just chunked off two massive pieces of this thing in one foul swoop, and they've announced a bunch of referees, which include Earl Hepner, and they've they've, I mean, they're just going hard now. It's full steam ahead for these guys and uh, not very good timing for WWE. If there was ever something for WWE to be worried about, uh, this is probably it, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because, I mean, what what was AEW before this? They were a very popular... (laughs) Yeah, they were a very popular company that was adored by about 3% of the wrestling fan base. I know it doesn't feel like that when you're in the 3%. Because you're a fan like that, and you're diehard about it, and you love AEW, and you can see. But it doesn't take much when you consider that YouTube for WWE has tens of millions of followers. To sell out 10,000 at an arena is such a small percent of the WWE fan base that you might feel like you're a much larger group. But now they're large. like They are on a full TV network. They've got their full TV deal ahead of them. I mean, don't blink, WWE, because now... These guys have what you have. It's on a different night, and it doesn't necessarily directly compete with you. I don't think they confirmed, though. Did they? I don't know if you've read anything about it. Did they confirm it was Tuesdays or Wednesday nights they're going to sh- start the show? Uh, I didn't see the date. I just know that it was TNT. Let me... I, I speculated it's Tuesday. That, that's what I've heard this whole time. But the guy on the, right. the Wade Keller thing the other night said he thought it would be Wednesdays, and they didn't announce it this morning. So when they talked about it at the, the uh, Warner Media up front, it wasn't said. If it was going to be Tuesdays or Wednesdays, but right. Either way, that's not a night for WWE, really. I mean, they've got NXT on uh, the WWE Network on Wednesdays, but they'll end up moving off of Tuesdays to Fridays. Yeah, like, there won't be competition if it's on Tuesday. I know Wednesday. I feel like Monday is the really the big draw. If you want to kind of battle with them, uh, Monday is certainly the the night you'd go for. So they're avoiding that. And I think at the the very least, it's the right call. So basically, it said TNT to air weekly matches later this year. I don't think it said the day, but it's no, a long I, it's a long. From report, what I understood, so I it wasn't wasn't announced the the night of the week, but it's going to be either Tuesdays or Wednesdays. Okay. And they're doing some pretty cool stuff too. I mean, they're keeping stats, so they're going to be like you know, boxing wins versus losses matter. Uh, how you win, you know, knockout submission. They're going to keep all those stats for guys, yeah. and they're going to talk about them during the show. Right. So they want it to be that, you know, when a guy comes in like a UFC fight, his record is 37 and five versus a guy who is, you know, 31 and 12, you know, like they're going to be talking about all that kind of stuff and referring to their guys that way is from what I understand. So that'll be interesting because I don't think wrestling's ever really done that before. Yeah, I think they should. And Cody Rhodes talked about this, too, in the buildup. He said that wrestling should have like. Or like the AW wants to have the wins and loss uh, record count, and I think it should. Not so much to the point because I know obviously like it's predetermined, right? Like if someone wins seventy five matches, that doesn't mean they're better than the guy who loses seventy five matches. But they're basically saying 
Jinder Mahal is not going to lose 25 matches in a row and then become the champion. Like, he's not going to get a title shot. Right. So I, I like that they're going to kind of build it properly. Hey, this guy won six matches in a row. Maybe the guy is building his way up the, the title pitcher. Like, that's how they're going to do it, I feel. And that's... Uh, it's interesting. I wonder how it's going to actually work out. Like, are they going to have, like, a system like UFC where if you're the number one of the power ranking, pretty much, you're the number one contender, right? So we'll, we'll see how that goes, but... It'll yeah, there is a there way there is a way that this could badly go off the rails, but at the same yep. time, it's also a really neat way to phrase or frame the idea of how you determine who are the contenders and and who aren't, and how to write storylines around that. Like, if a guy claims that he's the best, but he's got a five and five record, well, clearly you're not, yeah. right? Like, you've won as many matches as you've lost. So, what makes you think that you're the best, right? Like, a guy can, you know, it's WWE and WCW have done this in the past with guys like Goldberg. You know when he's 112 and and oh, right? Like then, yes, the wins loss records matter. Or when a, a guy debuts, like Rusev, when he first came in, he was undefeated for the longest time, right? They talk about stuff like that, but you know, they, once the guy loses the match, it just goes away. Um, unless you're Kurt Hawkins, and then you've lost so <laughs> many matches in a row until you're a tag team title, right? So then the losses matter. So it goes so far the w other way. The that's right. W w w went the opposite way. He gave him the tag team titles because he lost however many matches in a row. It, like so that's good. how they do it. So yeah, but and people like that, right? Like you. So I love if, it. Yeah. If you don't give guys shots just based on their win loss records, then you don't have that either, right? Like you can't the underdog who shouldn't have won probably will never win so you kind of cannot play with that idea so there is some to take that is good and there's some to take that might not be so good but um it is an interesting idea and it definitely will separate them a little bit from from other companies um i guess the last really thing to touch here on and we hit on it a little bit was the goldberg return we knew yeah. he was coming back we didn't know until this week that he is officially facing the undertaker you know 15 years too late um <laughs> is this a big enough attraction that you'd be interested to watch it because it's really never happened or are you like why would i want to watch this thing i mean i'm gonna watch it right like why wouldn't i watch it but and I, i'm excited for it but i think we, like, goldberg has to win the match right they're not gonna he's not gonna go in there just to lose unless they give him a very very significant payday not that he's, oh, he's already getting a very significant payday yeah from right. what i understand it's in the millions yeah i mean that doesn't surprise me at all uh I mean, they can both come out with a win, and it wouldn't bother me either way. Really, this match has no standing on anything that's going to happen, and I think that's what they want. I think for the Saudi Arabia show, it's better to just make this a... Like, what's the one thing that's actually come out of these matches that matters? The the best-in-the-world tournament that led to this feud with Shane and The Miz? Other than that, like, what what's happened in a Saudi show that's really stood out to us is, like, huge. Braun, Braun Strowman won the greatest Royal Rumble with the trophy, and the next day they got rid of the belt. They gave him a belt, and it was no longer. It was never seen again. Right? Well, so clearly, whatever they're doing, they don't care. Yeah, right? so like this is perfect. Not an actual belt. It's not an actual. No one cares, right? Like DX versus destruction, right? Like you don't need any kind of uh, long-standing story for a match like this. You're just trying to get the money from Saudi Arabia and run. That's pretty much what they're doing. I mean, the entrances are going to be three times as long as the match. Uh, how do yeah. you? In between Goldberg's walking through the stuff and Undertaker's big long whatever, if Undertaker loses, it'll be a spear boom boom over. And if there's a no contest, which I maybe could see, you know, because do you really want Undertaker to lose? Just guy signed a new contract. Goldberg ain't sticking around. 
But would Goldberg agree to come back to lose? Like, I don't know, right? Like, that is the only thing that's even remotely intriguing about this match for me is, like, who who do you pick? Yeah. Um, they, they both can't really do anything. But Goldberg can last for about a minute, and he looks like he's full speed. So, I mean, is that all they'll do? Like, I, it's really going to be hard to tell. But, yeah, the I mean, the other matches I saw sneaking out were, like, Seth Rollins versus Drew McIntyre, Shane versus Roman Reigns. Um, yeah, there's there's some stuff finally starting to sneak out about that uh, that pay per view, but it's going to be really long and really whatever. Yeah, it's just happening so soon, like after Money in the Bank as well. Like it's just, I feel like we're gonna have such little uh, build up for it because we had Money in the Bank so close to it, and they haven't even talked about Saudi Arabia yet, really. Well, and they won't. I mean, if you saw the posters, they haven't even remotely said the name Saudi Arabia anywhere. They yeah, won't talk about it to. on... Yeah, they won't talk about it on the program. They'll say Jeddah, but they won't say Saudi Arabia. They'll talk about the guys in the 50-man battle royal, but, you know, that'll be it, right? And they'll have... Be a, I mean, I guess I'm looking forward to some of the people who show up in that. There's always a surprise, right? Somebody yeah. they call that you haven't seen in 10 years who shows up and is part of that 50-man, that group. So I guess like a Royal Rumble, that's somewhat intriguing, especially with you have things right around the corner with AEW, like we are all wondering who might be going there, right? So if they show up at the greatest, or not the Super Showdown, will they have anything to do with AEW? Like that'd be interesting. So I, I guess there are some things that I could remotely sink my teeth into for the show, but otherwise, it's not going to be terribly exciting. Yeah. Uh, what else are we missing, man? I I'm, I think we covered a lot of ground here this week. Um, we went over the TV deal, the Bray Wyatt stuff, the creative, Money in the Bank, Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch. I suppose we didn't really touch on the fact that they're now an official couple. Are they the power couple of WWE? I mean, Triple H and Seth McMahon will always be the power couple. <laughs> That's right. But yeah, no, I mean, you got the world champion on both uh, the men's and the women's division, right? So. Yeah. Well, and there are a lot of bloody couples now in WWE between Charlotte and Andrade, um, you know, Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins. Naomi and is it Jay or Jimmy who she's with? Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> there's a ton of them. There's a ton of them, right? Like there's a, it's just a hookup central, but hopefully it doesn't affect their, their in-ring product stuff. Yeah. Talked about the Kabuki Warriors, the Lars Sullivan stuff, all Undertaker Goldberg. I mean, we covered a lot of ground. So uh, I guess the only thing really left is to tell people where they can find us and listen to us. Um, you got a list handy of all the, the podcast platforms, I mean, our, our home is anchor.fm and the sportster.com uh, is a, a producer of this show. So you can go to the sportster.com to listen to it, anchor.fm to listen to it. We are on Google Podcasts. Um, where else are we at? We've got like seven or eight different platforms now. Yeah. Right? So Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. Cool. So yeah, I mean, Help us out. Listen to it. Share it. Download it. Subscribe to it. Um, comment on it. Rate it on iTunes. Uh, you know, give us a rub. Put it on your social media accounts. And let us know what you think about the show because we uh, we are definitely having fun doing it. But uh, trying to build our audience over time, every time. Um, and I do have. I don't even know if I told you this. I have a special guest coming on for next week. Uh, ever heard of Chris Van Vliet? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. The YouTube star sensation that gets all the interviews. We're doing an interview with him on Friday. Yeah, so that'll, that'll be really be, exciting. That'll be cool because that guy has seen and heard a lot of stuff, and he always seems to get to, 
some very cool interviews out of his guests and there's always some nuggets there that are fun to watch. So I'm excited about having that conversation with him on Friday and we'll make sure that we air that on uh, next week's show. So uh, I hope you have a chance to join us for that one on Friday there, Brandon. And for everybody else, uh, thank you for until next week. This has been another edition of the Smart Marks of Wrestling podcast presented by thesportster.com. See you next week.